Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Emily Kaplan here with Linda Cohn. It's the In the Crease podcast. And Linda, this is 2021, a year I'm always going to remember, the year you and I began podcasting together. And I won't talk to you until next year. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Uh, Well said. It was a great year because of that and also because it was official and ESPN got the NHL back and we're all excited about that. And we're off and running and then all the craziness with COVID and pausing. But You know, I'm kind of like hanging on to the positive here. I've been, uh, you know, pumping the tires regarding, you know, less testing, uh, don't test asymptomatic players. Now, of course, the NHL, as you know, Emily, following suit with the rest of the world and the CDC, the rules are changing for the better. Suddenly everyone is seeing the light and have cut back the quarantine time. Uh, I think after we got off the air when our last um, podcast, uh, they set it from 10 days to five days. Again, following in the suit of the NFL and the NBA and all this kind of stuff. So that was great. So these are the things I'm kind of hanging on to, the positive as we look ahead. But before we look ahead and, you know, talk about the chaos in Canada and and what that could be doing for the entire National Hockey League and their mission to finish the season uh, on a fair way, uh, I kind of want to look back on the great teams, um, great individuals who continue to put up numbers, who continue to be consistent. Uh, without having injuries, of course, get in their way, you know, and, and, and one of those guys, I mean, um, is Alex Ovechkin, right? I mean, Alex Ovechkin continues to be in the top five. If you look back uh, on the year, I mean, he, his consistency, his greatness, uh, being on the verge of, uh, you know, getting the most power play goals in the history of the NHL, which he needs one to do so. Um, Dave Andrichuk, uh, has held that record for a million years. And of course his goal to catch Wayne Gretzky, this guy has been the most consistent. Another guy that, uh, both of us love and admire, um, and, I, and I'll let you comment on both, but I just thought of it because when I was hosting in the crease last night, there was a great full screen we put up. I know the Rangers lost to Florida, you know, blew a two, two one lead in the third period. Florida, you know, continued their dominance at home and beat the Rangers four to three. But uh, Artemi Panarin, uh, this guy uh, has the third most points in the National Hockey League since 2019. Uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are the only two that have had more points than Artemi Panarin since 2019. I think that's remarkable. And I think when you look back in the history of the New York Rangers and perhaps any team, adding a player like Artemi Panarin has got to be in the top five of the greatest additions ever made by a team in the National Hockey League. The guy has been, I'm knocking on wood, the guy has been nothing short of remarkable since donning a you know, New York Ranger jersey. 
you know, like you and I both grew up Rangers fans and especially through my youth, I felt like the train for the, the trend for the New York Rangers was signing a big free agent right past his prime, giving him a ton of money and that contract never aged well. And I feel like this is the first time, at least I can remember. It's like, holy cow, they actually struck gold on a free agent about to ascend to the prime of his career. And it's not going to age poorly. Like what's going on here? It's almost like magic. So I'm with you. I, I could not gush enough about Artemi Panarin. I want to pause, bring it back to our first Russian. Alex right. Ovechkin. Right. You know, when I had that game in Philadelphia that got canceled, it was supposed to be against the Capitals. I had a chat with Brian McClellan, the GM of the Washington Capitals that morning. And if you'd watched my last game with the Capitals in the pregame interview, I asked Alex Ovechkin, Alex, you are averaging more assists per game than you've ever had in your career. What do you think it is? And of course, he gave me that cheeky response like, oh, I don't know, maybe just look. But I asked his GM and I said, okay, what do you think it is? And he said, honestly, he's on a mission and he's playing smarter than I've ever seen him play before. It used to be that he would shoot at any different angle on the ice. Anytime he saw the net, he would just shoot. And now not necessarily doesn't have the shoot first mentality, but he's looking to make plays. I asked him, I said, do you think that there's anything to be said about Backstrom being missing for so long and him having to overcompensate? And he's like, no, I really don't. I think this is just Ovi on a mission. And I just think that is such a lesson to learn for elite athletes of always evolving your game because he wants to be the best individually, but he still wants to win more Stanley Cups. And because he's evolving his game, the Caps are in great position. By the way, they played Alex Alexiev last night. The sixth rookie the Capitals have debuted this season, which is pretty incredible considering how great they've been and how many star players are missing. Um, and then the point of Panarin, I just want to go back to that goal. The most unique thing that he scored on Wednesday night, it was a, such a flashy goal through the legs, one-on-one on defender. He said he was inspired because he was watching the World Juniors Championship. He saw a kid try and he's like, well, if they can do it, why can't I? And that brings me back to that Zegras goal of the creativity setting this new bar from these young guys. And the old guys are taking notice. And I just think it's so good for our game. Yeah, and what isn't is that canceled the World Juniors, by the way. So that was that was awful. So poor Panarin. At least he got to see that before they canceled it. Um, the other great move by Panarin was lifting the stick. It was old school play of Radagudis. And then he set up Mika Zibanejad for the second goal. And I know we're giving a lot of love for the Rangers, even though they lost. But everyone knows how great the Panthers are. And we're going to spend more time on the Panthers on another time on another um, um, podcast. But, you know, getting back to Alex Ovechkin, I was just looking up some numbers as you were talking. And we were talking about looking back on 2021. You know, Ovechkin, fifth in the NHL with 46 goals in 77 games in 2021. And uh, he scored 20 more goals than any one of his teammates. Think about that, right? He has scored 20 more goals than any one of his teammates in the calendar year of 2021. So that was certainly remarkable. Um, And it is 90 points, 16 more than John Carlson, who, oh, by the way, is a defenseman. So um, Washington, as to your point, finding ways to win, finding ways to be in the Stanley Cup contender conversation, which a lot of people didn't think they were gonna even make the playoffs. I know we have a lot to go, but um, another individual that, uh, another guy we both like, uh, someday we'll find things we don't like and we'll go up against each other like a debate. I love ending 2021 on the positive though, Linda. One day it'll be the Linda V. Emily, the Stephen A. Smith first take showdown that everyone wants, but today we'll have positivity. There you go. Okay, Austin Matthews, one of our faves, right? This guy, again, I mean, with all his adversity and I know all his adversity, but he's had injuries, setbacks, this kind of stuff. But again, he's put up the numbers. 
he has scored in the calendar year 2021, because again, this is our last episode of the year. Uh, he scored an NHL high 61 goals uh, in 2021, including 20 in 27 games this season. So we always talk about Toronto and people like me focus on the negative. You know, hey, I, I'm not going to apologize for that. I focus on the negative because I want them at least take baby steps and win a playoff series this year. Yeah, one playoff series. I'll take that. Uh, but it, you know, that, that cannot be, uh, uh, look past Austin Matthews, his consistency, his leadership with this Maple Leafs team. It's honestly, he's another player that I feel like is on a mission this year. Like, you know, I saw it over the summer when I got to do that great story with him and spend some time with him. It was such an unfortunate start to the season for him of having to be sidelined. But right now I really do feel like he's on this mission to single-handedly change the narrative around him. Um, I want to focus on a team and I've started to bang their drum recently in some podcasts, but Dean Evison and his entire coaching staff got multi-year extensions today with the Minnesota wild. I know he took over in 2020, but since he's been here, I know we're trying to focus on 2021, but since he took over of the Minnesota wild, they rank fourth in the NHL in wins fourth in goals and they're tied for seventh in points. I feel like they are the most underrated good team in the NHL right now. And they're really building something. And in 2022, I expect big things out of them. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but they have to build on what they um, did last year in the postseason, taking the Vegas Golden Knights the seven games before falling and losing in the first round. Uh, very impressive. We already know about Kirill Kaprizov, how just his presence Turn the wild. And congratulations to Dean Evison, well-deserved and his coaching staff contract extension. We had a feeling this was coming. It would have been absurd if this did not happen. But Kirill Kaprizov changed the whole culture of this team. They, be, they were used to be boring. I'm, with all apologies to Zach Parisi, who's now with the Islanders. I mean, you know, the Ryan Suiters. You know, that was like, hmm, snooze fest, Minnesota Wild, they're on. Not anymore because Kirill Kaprizov changed everything with his flash and dash. And, and those around him were better. And of course, they got the great goalie tandem, which I love, led by Cam Talbot, uh, just an underrated netminder in the National Hockey League. He doesn't get enough credit. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a battle in that central division. Uh, there is no question um, what's going on there. Uh, another team, uh, probably the team that gets overlooked the most, Emily, can you guess which team gets overlooked the most in 2021 and un not deserving of that? Can you guess? I'll just, you know, spoil your... I, I think I'll tell you who I think it is. Typically, I'd say the Winnipeg Jets. And I actually want to comment on the Winnipeg Jets after this because we never talked about Paul Maurice stepping away. And I actually have an opinion on it. But I think your underrated team is the National Predators. You're inaccurate. Um, I give them okay, credit. Surprisingly good this year, though. Okay. I'll put yeah, it there. I'm just saying a team that deserves a lot of credit. And I think we have been giving love to the Preds and they overachieved and they're in this battle. Uh, you know, if they make the postseason, to me, that's a win. Uh, because nobody saw that coming. Um, but yeah, the leadership by Roman Yossi, but that's not my pick. My pick is the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes, they put the C in consistency. They have been amazing. They're piling up points this year in 2021. Now, the problem with the Carolina Hurricanes, they don't have the hardware to show for it, right? I mean, regular season achievements mean nothing to me, but I will give them a shout out because it's not easy to be a consistent winner. And it's not like they have this, like, you know, when you think about it, you know, we're, we were just talking about individuals, right, that are fantastic and lead their team and all this stuff. And you think of individuals on the Carolina Hurricanes, yeah, you might say Sebastian Ajo, you might say Andrei Svechnikov, 
But you more look at the Carolina Hurricanes from their head coach down, just like as a team, total team. And it would be nice to see, and they have fun, of course, you know, with their, with their surge and all those celebrations that they do for the fans. But they are absolutely awesome. They really, when you look back on 2021, they have acquired, they have, a, um, um, they have told the most points. They have the NHL's best points percentage. That's 724 uh, in the calendar year 2021. So I didn't want to look past the Carolina Hurricanes without giving them their due. But if there's a team that has pressure on them this year, I'm not saying super pressure. I'm saying a little bit of pressure. I mean, this team really should, supposed to, built to go to a Stanley Cup final. But I don't see them ending up in a Stanley Cup final. So here I'm giving them their love, Emily. What do you think? There's just a lot of competition out there. There is. You know, I like what you said, and I believe it to be true, that this is a team that takes its identity from its head coach, Rod Brindamore. But every time, you know, especially when I'm covering a team or I have a game, I try to get the vibe of like, what's the locker room like? Who are the alphas? Who like dictates things? And what I learned about the Carolina Hurricanes is they have this young brat pack and it's led by Sebastian Ajo. Um, but it includes a bunch of his fins like Tivo Tiravainen. It includes Andrei Svechnikov, you know, KK, yes, Barry Cook, Knami is in it now. And my favorite is that Seth Jarvis, this young rookie that's come in, really surprised them. They didn't expect him to stay around. He's become part of them. He lives with Ajo. Ajo gave him his Xbox, refused to translate it from English to from Finnish to English. So Jarvis has to figure that out himself. They all get along, hang out on the road. And I feel like that young core that's so talented and fun is also the heartbeat of that team. And I think that's a good thing. And by the way, I like when he didn't transfer it to Finnish because how many young, I talk to young players and you hear, read the stories. Most of these uh, guys that are, are not, you know, were not born in North America uh, and they do so well trying to learn the English language. And I give them the credit, but how do they learn it the best? Through television, through, through video games. So I just, I'm always impressed with that. Seth Jarvis, learn your Finnish. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so impressed with it too, especially the fact that they give all interviews in their second language. And we, like the minimum we could do is just learn how to say hi, goodbye, and thank you in their language. And we don't even do that most of the time. So I feel like we do got to give these guys credit because it's, it is a hard adjustment. And, you know, I, I think we will get into some of the COVID stuff at the end of this podcast and just the hardships everyone's going through. Okay, I want to talk about Paul Maurice first. I think this was like something really unique in the NHL. Such a macho culture when you get to this professional level and everyone has tunnel vision and it's so goal and result driven that I think people kind of get lost in themselves. And so for Paul Maurice, a super successful coach of the Winnipeg Jets, who by all means have the security of his ownership and they seem to have loved him and his GM say, you know what? I don't enjoy coming to the rink every day and I've kind of lost a little bit of myself and I look at this team and they're a great team. They're just not responding to me and they need a new voice. So I'm at peace just stepping away and doing something different and maybe I'll come back, but this isn't right for me. So brave. And what a role model to all of us just to remember that wins and losses and your job title aren't the only things that define you in life. Yeah, it's really interesting. I could be a skeptic and I could be a negative Nelly here and say, maybe there's something, oh, maybe that, I don't know, because I have no proof. So I'm just, you know, throwing things out there, sort of like what people do on social media, throw things out without facts. Uh, but the, my gut feeling told me this was real. This was genuine. This is Paul Maurice. This is his character, big character guy, great coach. Uh, I just realized, yeah, these guys aren't listening to me anymore. Uh, these guys are a good group. Uh, I have faith in them that they will go far. 
but it looks like they're not taking the next step with me. And uh, what I also loved about his, uh, you know, stepping away from this job, which as you mentioned, and it's so true, it's unheard of, not only in the NHL, but what I mentioned in any sport, but the fact is, is that uh, in his press conference, and I know, you know, it's two weeks in, in the books already, but his press conference, yeah, he could have just said a few words, made a statement, took a couple of questions and said, see ya. But I mean, he went on and on and on and on. And it wasn't boring. It was enlightening. Uh, it was very, I was very intrigued. Uh, and it, maybe because we were all surprised at the way he went about it. But uh, I thought that was an aspect we should not be overlooked. The fact that he took the time to really share his feelings about what he was doing. And I don't have to tell you, Emily, in Winnipeg, it's really the Jets and the Moose. That's all that, you know, that they got. That's all they care about, fans, hockey fans. It's it. So Jacob Trouba yes, told exactly. us week. Yeah. Exactly. He did right here on the podcast. Yeah. And he's not alone, but that's all they know. So this was huge. And um, is Paul Maurizier stepping away? Is he going to get another opportunity? I'm sure he is going to get another opportunity. And may I give a shout out because it's become an, uh, you know, a, a daily, uh, not a daily, but every time we do the podcast and I hosted in the crease and it was just so great to Bruce Boudreaux won again, thanks to one of my faves in the league, JT Miller scoring in overtime, uh, beating the Ducks who look like the Ducks of last year, by the way, where John Gibson stood on his head. I was about to he, say. He stood on his yep. head to keep the team in it. But I know there was no Trevor Zegras. He was in COVID protocol and we love him. And that has a big, that's a big hole to fill. But anyway, Bruce Boudreaux, okay, tying two other head coaches to start his coaching tenure with a new team, seven and oh. And now they get to face, uh, as we speak, the LA Kings at home. Kings are pretty decent team getting the great goaltending and they play better at home. Um, it, it, this could wait. This, um, I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling. I misspoke and I had to retract on in the crease because I was already thinking it's going to be eight. No. So maybe I foresaw something that they are going to win tonight against the LA Kings, you know, well, like, Oh, it's only seven and oh, but anyway, a shout out to Bruce Boudreaux who keeps somehow uh, he just keeps, he just like, like he was asked again, getting to coaches in news conferences, you know, he was asked about after he went to six and oh, he goes six and oh, I tell the guys, why don't we go 10 and 0? You know, he's just having this, it's this fun atmosphere type of situation. So I, I, he's a good guy to root for. So we wish, getting back to Paul Maurice, we wish him the best. He's no Bruce Boudreaux, but he's not bad. And I'll, he'll find another job. And you're so right about Bruce Boudreaux just bringing that fun, lighthearted atmosphere back to the Canucks after they just weren't enjoying hockey anymore. And, you know, I alluded to it. This has been a really tough stretch for NHL players. We saw some of the frustrations boil over about the Olympics. Like I think a lot of players have internalized it. They know that it's not popular to speak out about it or they feel pressure not to speak out. But Brad Marchand ripped his heart right. out and put it on Twitter and said, this is BS. I'm calling double standards on the NHL's rationale here. It feels like they never wanted us to go. They never were accommodating to us. They can make taxi squads and do roster amendments on one hand, but they can't do it for the Olympics. One flaw in Brad Marchand's argument there I will make is that what he was asking for basically was to do taxi squads while players in the Olympics. That's guaranteeing that you're going to have lesser rosters. The taxi squads now are just a precaution in case you need them. Like that's a very big difference of two things he's asking. I do think he brought up a lot of good points. And I do know a lot of NHL players feel this way, that it all came down to money and the NHL was always going to look for an excuse for them not to go. 
Um, but it's just sad because, you know, one of the reasons the NHL and NHLPA delayed the announcement of going to the Olympics is that the PA had to call players individually and talk them through this decision. And a lot of players are like, okay, well, what are my options? Can you, can I talk to the lawyers? Are there any options that I could go? And they basically were like, no, we made this deal with the NHL. It was the best deal we felt like we could make at the time. And unfortunately you have no recourse and sorry. So that's going on. Plus there's stricter protocols. They all go home for Christmas. Plus there's guys that are asymptomatic for 10 days without the team. Plus they know that their escrow is just going down to the toilet because these games are getting postponed. We have a lot more uncertainty. It's been a tough stretch from a mental health perspective for a lot of guys and a lot of teams. And I'm just curious when we come out of this, I think we're going to see which teams are really strong and have the strongest leadership emerge because this is about, you know, finding your identity and finding your core. And when the time tough, a lot of teams crumble. And I, I think of, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers never handled last year's COVID pause well. And that's because, oh, they were young and they didn't have that core. Like, I wonder what other teams are going to not handle this adversity. Yeah, we had that conversation when everybody was in the bubble, right? I mean, when everyone was in the bubble, we had the conversation in the postseason. All right, the team that wins the Stanley Cup is going to have the great leadership to power through all of this, um, you know, mental health adversity. And it was the Tampa Bay Lightning, which made a lot of sense. It sure did, because they were experienced. They've been there before. They have great leadership from the dressing room to the head coach. You know, and, and don't be surprised if they're right there again. That's why I was mentioning the tough road getting back to Carolina. They have tremendous competition. You can ace. You can, you know, uh, do well in the regular season. It's the same old story. And even if you're built for the postseason, it may not be enough because it's going to take some serious leadership to get it through. So it's another challenge this year. All right. No Olympics for NHL players. I know they're putting together teams. I think we touched on this earlier. Uh, I, you know, if there was the, well, if one to 10, your excitement level, uh, you're going to be tuning in to see these, uh, sadly, the, you know, uh, you know, what, what's the thing on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, I'm sorry, but that's what comes to my mind. Not good enough to play in the NHL at this moment, but available to play and represent their country in the, in the Winter Olympics. I'm sorry, I can't get all in on it, Emily. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Two things. I'm all in on watching the women's tournament. I will be tuned into that. That is the best athletes at what they do. And I'll watch that Two solution for everyone. Host the world juniors at the Olympics, make it an under 22 tournament. We see that in soccer. It would solve two birds with one stone. It would make everyone care. It would give those kids an opportunity to play. Who says no? Uh, it makes too much sense, Emily. So that's off the board. Oh, okay. No. So <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, to COVID protocols, things are changing all the time. I'm tongue in cheek here because I don't know, every day it's a new thing. And people that are been against one thing are now all for it. And they're like, hey, yeah, I, I can't believe, I can't even go into big picture what I saw today that uh, is just makes me crack up. But at least we're moving in the right direction. Let me ask you this. How's it going with the NHL? I don't know if you know this or been kind of reaching into your contact book regarding uh, rescheduling games for those three weeks for the NHL. Are they able to? Yeah, that's a great question. So especially when the NHL proactively postponed those nine games in Canada because they weren't going to have fans. I think there's a lot of people saying, hold up, we already have 70 games postponed. You're going to postpone another nine. Like, what are you guys doing? The truth is those nine games, tens of millions of dollars. And it's not just to the owners. The players feel that too, because of the hockey related revenue system and escrow and they feel it. So right now they're in money protecting mode. We've got to make as much as we can. 
But they felt like even with postponing those additional nine plus the 70 already postponed, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly told me after they postponed those nine, we are still 100% committed to finishing the regular season at the end of April, like planned, with every team getting to an 82-game schedule, like planned. And they feel like they have a plan for it. The NHL got a draft of the revised schedule, um, I believe Tuesday. They were supposed to show it to the PA on Wednesday, which tells me that we could see it soon. What I know about it is that every team is going to get a break. It's not necessarily going to be a one-week break, but they'll get some kind of like buy. It's not all going to happen at the same time. And we will see games trickled in in those three weeks and also just some more rescheduling and more reshuffling um, because again arena availability was an issue and now the Canada issue we're trying to get those teams here in the state so that they can play more home games in the end of the year so a lot of moving parts but at the end of the day the NHL is still saying we're going to finish the regular season on time yeah they have to and I you know kudos to them because like no other sports league has to deal with this uh seven Canadian teams NBA has one obviously NFL has none baseball is not a factor so uh this is a huge challenge you're right like there needs to be adapting and there is adapting I just kind of feel like someone just needs to stand back and say okay big picture what are we doing here but instead, everything has just felt reactionary. And therefore, it's kind yes. of frustrating yes. to react to whatever is hot or new that week. We just need to take a big picture and being like, let's just look at this league. How are we going to finish the season? How are we going to make the most money? What makes the most sense for the health and safety of everyone, but also protecting a business and going on about our everyday lives? Yes, I think that just Canada is on like a, uh, in radio terms, a seven second delay. You know, meaning like they'll catch on, just give them time. I have faith, Canada. I have faith. You will catch up. You will see the light. You will look, as Emily just pointed out, bigger picture for the good of the game. And you can still stuff your pocketbooks with the money that you will make from fans in the stands and hockey continuing and a season finishing. And maybe, just maybe, there'll be a few teams from Canada that make the postseason like they're supposed to. All right, Linda, as we wrap this up, we'll look towards 2022. That's the next time I'm going to talk to you. Everyone always asks, what's your New Year's resolution? I want you to give a resolution to the NHL. What should the NHL's New Year's resolution be? I think it's pretty obvious. Can we just get back to normal? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're moving in the right direction. I know it's cliche, but my resolution looking ahead to 2022 is this like, it's going to be okay. We're, you know, it'll be fine. So that's what I'd like to see. Uh, and NHL, like we, you know, just like we saw pre-COVID, okay? Um, fans enjoying their team, packed houses, exciting hockey. I can't wait for the playoffs. I know this is a boring answer to you, Emily. I'm sorry. But that as a hockey fan first, which I am, that's what I want most. Normalcy. Okay, that's sweet. I'm pushing forward and I want craziness, Linda. I want every team to get rid of its dress code. I want them to put star players available as much as they want to talk to give their opinions. I want guys to post more on social media. I just want this league to move forward in a more interactive and engaging way for the younger generation, because let's face it, we both love this sport and we want it to thrive. And I think it needs to adapt a little. Well said, exclamation point. Happy new year. Okay, before we let you go, we want you all to go please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears, he's Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, Perk, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. 
Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't miss conversations and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.